Why couldn't the lifeguard save the hippie? Because he was too far out, man. This is Across the Table, the podcast of Hannibal the Magician. Hi, and welcome back. Thanks for joining me, as always. I kind of jumped the gun this week. There will, uh, so I'm recording this a little bit early, so to, so to say. Um, I will probably have another one uh, recorded on Sunday for the actual schedule, but it's been an interesting week, and I felt like touching base with uh, everybody to see how, uh, well, let you know how I'm doing and what's going on in, uh, in the Hannibal world. Um, I actually had uh, this was the week of the eclipse i haven't uh, haven't recorded since that happened and um i tried to uh, to get together with some friends or or some acquaintances and everybody kind of had their own thing going on so i went to a local park there's one kind of near the honeycomb and uh, like a rose garden and uh it's uh, it's beautiful. It is beautiful in its in its normal state, but it was a very surreal kind of an experience. This week, um, I got there about thirty minutes before the, the scheduled um, arrival of the the eclipse in my arena, and and where I'm recording from here in Charlotte, North Carolina, we got about I believe they said ninety five percent coverage on the on the eclipse. I could have gone a little further south. Um, into South Carolina for the full effect, but I really felt like sticking close to home and not getting out into the traffic. Um, call me old, but uh, that was the way I felt about it. So I went to this uh, to this garden, which is nearby. It's a nice little park, and I brought uh, brought some lunch along. And I thought there would be people gathered there, but I was uh, I was by myself. Um, nobody else chose this spot, and it was uh, it was really lovely. And and the 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 light had a real surreal quality to it when it, when everything began, um, and uh, it got you know it, the birds were singing and and uh, the like I said the the, the light had a, a neat surreal quality to it and, and I was very 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 peaceful. And as I was sitting there, I wrote um, uh, started writing about it. I was going to put up a blog about it, and uh, when I got done, when the whole thing was finished, and I finished it up and I reread it, it was just. It was too poetic. It was too uh, didn't. It, it caught the essence of what I was trying to say, but it was too unreal, too fictional. You know, it, I tried to put my heart into it and describe the way I was feeling. So I've gone back. I erased all of that, or I, or I archived it. I put it somewhere else, and I just wrote it out on a, on a very factual basis. And it seems to to me to be better. Uh, on a nonfiction description of, of what I went through, and I'll um, that'll probably be published um, on the blog, on uh, the Truth Is blog uh, later tonight. I'm, I'm I'm happy with what I've got now. But um, the birds were singing, and it got dark, and the birds stopped singing, and and the crickets started, and uh, it was it was just this real uh, beautiful moment. And that's how I started my week off, and and it left me feeling a little a little odd. On the other side of it, um, I've been thinking a lot about life in general, and and what's been going on in my life. And and honestly, I I don't want I don't intend to turn this podcast into a uh, a Hannibal griping about his life um, kind of a thing every single week. Of course, there's going to be times when I'm going to. Uh, gripe about things, but um, but I'm going to keep that to a minimum because I'm in general I'm a fairly positive man, and I want to bring that positivity out in this and encourage those of you who listen. So I, uh, I I will touch on things, but I'm going through a rough time right now, and and I, and I there are other podcasts that I have been listening to um, for ideas and for inspirations, and some of them have gotten just just awfully bitter, and. Uh, and it struck me that I don't, I don't want to do that. But when something comes up and, and a particular feeling comes up, I, I want to relate that because it does help me move down my own path and my own road. And, and it opens me up to different perspectives, which is why 
uh, I want to appeal to you again. If you've got something to say, if you have an opinion, if you like, if you don't like, if you if I say something that strikes a chord on you, let me know. Send me an email. Uh, leave a leave a message on on wherever you're listening to this. Uh, rate the podcast for me if you don't mind. It it, it does actually help um, as far as my listenership goes and getting my word out there. Uh, and I appreciate you know every uh, every rating and every comment that gets. It's it's very very useful. I got an email after um, the the next to last podcast from a woman who has been listening apparently to all of this. I I emailed her and asked if it was okay if I quoted her, but I didn't get a response, so I won't I won't use her name. Um, but I do. There's there's part of what she said that really struck home, um, and I'd like to relate that. Um, in the beginning, in, in one of the very first podcasts that I did, and it might have even been number one, um, but I talked about my trip to Puerto Vallarta and how beautiful it was and, and how I got to go there because I was I was doing comedy clubs at the time and doing magic as comedy and relating the stories through a more humorous uh, bent than what it turned into. And, and there's still a lot of comedy in my show. You'll, you'll you know, if you've seen me, you know what I'm talking about. I, I, I mix a nice blend of comedy and storytelling and, and magic together. But uh, at this time, I was leaning really heavily on on the comedy aspect, trying to make it in comedy clubs and doing quite well and having a great time. And because of the trip to Puerto Vallarta, I missed Christmas and New Year's one year and a couple of birthdays because I was just on the road. And when I came home, in the way the story I've always related it, I decided that it was you know, it was more important for me to be home and be a father and be a husband than it was to be on the road performing. And she sent me an email. And I'm going to I'm going to skip over anything that would tend to be identifying or anything that's too personal, um, because, like I said, I, I haven't heard back from her to, to say it's okay to quote her directly. But basically, she said. Um, I have worked through many holidays and birthday parties. Never would I describe myself as choosing the hospital over my family, and nor should you. You are a responsible adult with a job, just like surgeons or truck drivers. Someone has made you to believe a false narrative. So what if you traveled? Normal folks work 9 to 5.30, get home around 6.30, prepare a meal till 7 while yelling at the kids to get a bath and homework finished for the 8 o'clock bedtime. So don't you... uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place. Uh, Finished for an 8 p.m. bedtime. Um, I don't know your family, but from seven hours of your podcast stories... Thank you for listening to seven hours of my podcast stories. I I really appreciate that, and I hope you're still listening. Uh, Anyway, after seven hours of your podcast stories, my armchair sociologist side tells me you couldn't win with your spouse. Pow, right in the kisser. Boom, you hit me hard. That's good. Uh, I don't know your... Uh, you come home from the greatest week of your life in Mexico and get guilted into never repeating that trip. Yeah, I, I did. In fact, that is that is a, an actual fact. Uh, even if you remember that it was your choice to stop, a loving and supportive wife would not have allowed you to stop doing the comedy clubs where you flourished. Uh, P.S. You mentioned alimony in an episode. So help me. If she didn't work and still sabotaged your career, then she needs the analyst's couch. It's time for you to get mad. It's time for me to get mad. You know, you're not wrong. I went to, uh, I had an appointment. I had an interview with a therapist this morning. And um, I related my side of the things that have, I've been going through, the, the divorce and the separation and the, the alienation of my children and everything else that, that the, the past couple of years have brought on. And she was horrified. And she was, she said, all of this being uh, dumped on one person is, is unreal and unheard of. And... Um, you know, she said, now I understand, obviously what I'm hearing is, is only your side, but the, the narrative and the way it's related is, um, 
is too much. I mean, you, you love what you do and, and you were confronted with there are people you shouldn't, shouldn't associate with because... <sighs> All right, look. Uh, and, and I'm not being bitter. I'm, I'm really... I have mourned and I have grieved and I have been bitter and I have been angry, sort of. Um, I was presented uh, towards the end there while we were still living together. I was presented with a kind of an ultimatum in that in the public shows, uh, when, when the show is over, I, I don't go back to the dressing room and hide while people leave. I say goodnight, I step off the stage, I step into the dark. If it's a really intense show, if it's like a, uh, a naked truth show, which uh, is very emotional uh, on its own, I, I may step backstage to regroup and, and catch my breath and, and get back to a state of, uh, of normal. But then I, I stick around and I talk to the crowd and I listen to what they say and I, I take their feedback and, and how the show affected them into, into consideration uh, for future shows and for the way that I develop my act and, and, and how I've reached them. I want to know, you know. Um, and they'll come up and talk to me. Now, when I was married, um, Dawn would always be there. I mean, 95% of the time she would be at my public shows and she would sit over to the side of the stage um, to to watch the crowd and to watch me. And, and, and in the beginning, it was very helpful of, you know, her observation of what she saw the crowd reacting to. I had no trouble with that. It was it was really, really awesome. And she was very supportive. I don't, I don't want to give that impression, or, or at least I believed her to be. Um, and in a lot of cases, I still believe she, she at least thought she was being. Anyway, I'm getting off point. Um, she came to me uh, when, when we were having the friction and she, she threw in my, in, in my face the fact that some of the people that talked to me would not talk to her. Like, they know I'm your wife. They know I'm there. Why would they talk to you and not talk to me? And, I'm, you know, my, my initial re my reaction was, because I was the guy on stage, because I'm the, it's my show. Yes, I, I would talk about her and I would point her out. Every single show, she was, it was a part of the script of the act that I would talk about my married life and my children. And not in a, in a demeaning way. I never ever put her down on stage. I never made her seem less than for anything. I would, I would commend her on her support and I would talk about how she'd always been there and, and how we had four great kids and, and everything else. It's, it's a part of the show. Um, but her argument was everybody wanted to talk to me, um, in particular, you know, and she, she made this point. She's like, in particular, there are women in the audience that will come up and talk to me and not talk to her. Sometimes she would be sitting right beside me and they would come up and tell me what a great show it was, shake my hand, give me a hug, whatever. And then, and then go on without mentioning her. And she thought that was wrong. But, it, and, and I want to stress this point especially, it wasn't just, you know, a crowd of single women trying to, you know, get backstage or to, you know, I'm, I'm not that kind of star. I don't, I don't have that kind of, of a following. People genuinely like what I do and they want to talk about it after I'm done. But, uh, so it, it was also uh, men or couples or, or, or whoever was there quite often would come and, and just want to say a word or two because... They were moved by what they saw. So I, she gave me a list of people that she felt uh, I should not have at my show anymore, that I should not encourage uh, to come to my shows anymore because it was making her jealous. And uh, it, it, it knocked me back. It flabbergasted me. So, you know, I related that um, in, in part of the story, and I, I felt guilty I have carried that guilt for now for nearly three years um, because that was that was thrown up to me. And, and I felt like maybe she was right. Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe I should stop doing public shows. Maybe I should only focus on the corporate end. But, you know, there were there were problems with that, too. She she didn't, she wasn't happy with me. Being, I got accused of, of all kinds of things, just being out on the road, and, and none of it ever happened. Um, but maybe I haven't been angry enough about that. You know, just in a healing, grieving kind of a way, because that's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And, and, and to be, you know, to be wildly selfish about it for a second, 
it's my show. I created it. You were there. Yeah, she I mean she was there for the whole thing and and there were times she offered encouragement, but this this show, this this me on stage, I did that. It was all mine. It came out of me. It came out of my experiences. It came out of my 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 rehearsal. It it, it came out of my heart. And I'm sorry, but how dare you tell me these people shouldn't be allowed to see your show because they only want to talk to you when when you're done. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to get angry here. Um, I, I will. I will evoke a little righteous indignation. But I, I haven't yet. I didn't. I, I, I. Instead, I have felt guilty, and and felt bad instead of being indignant about it. Um, and maybe that's why I lost the fights that I lost. And maybe that's why she asked me to leave because I wasn't standing up for myself the way I, I should have. When you are famous, when you get a little fame, and, and trust me, I have a little fame. Uh, I'm, I'm by no means even close to a household name, but I do have a, a, a core following. I mean, hell, if you're listening to this, you're, you're one of them. Um, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't tell this story. Maybe I shouldn't put this out in the air, but... I'm not. I'm not about to slander anybody. I'm not about to. Uh, I'm not about to cut anybody. I'm not about to, to tell stories out of school. I'm, I'm trying to tell you exactly how it related. And again, I'm not trying to uh, to make this all a big pity party either. Why would anybody listen to that? But but this is who I am, and, and I wear my heart out here. And, and maybe I haven't told you this story yet. Maybe it's not out there. But see. I left comedy clubs because I wanted to be home. I wanted to be near my family. I wanted to be near my kids. But a big part of me missed it, too, because it's a unique animal, the comedy club stage. And, and, and I was made to be on stage in some form or another. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm successful at what I do, and I'm, I'm very happy in the venues that I work and the clients that I work for. But I have a lot to offer, and there's a lot of different venues that I can offer it in. And I purposefully turned my back on one of those venues in the name of family. In some ways, I don't regret it because I got to spend a, a lot of time with my kids. I got to spend a lot of time with my wife. Uh, we were a loving, nurturing family. My friend Ted called me this week. Uh, Ted called up and, and because I got the divorce papers and we had a long talk over the phone about uh, the journey that I've been on, the journey that he's been on. And one of the things he said to me was... You know, every time I came over, it was a loving family. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't them and you. It was all of you, all six of you. We had a loving, warm, happy family. We played together, you know, uh, when, when we were all together. We, we would play video games. We would play board games. We had a lot of fun together. We had a, a fire pit outside. We would often gather at the end of the night and we would talk. And we were close and we were loving. I wasn't outside of that circle. It wasn't them being loving and, and nurturing and fabulous and me just out earning money. No, I was there and I was a part of it. And I'm very proud of that. And there's a big part of me, a big angry part of me that says, what good did it do you in the end? I walked away from the comedy clubs and I walked away from travel on the road and I, I ignored you know, offers from cruise ships and things that would take me away from the family. And I loved and I nurtured my kids. And some of them aren't talking to me now and telling people what a horrible father I was. But I was there. And even though I was there and I loved my kids and I doted on my kids and I, I, I nurtured my family, in the end, I've still, got, I've still got people that I love telling their friends publicly posting it on the internet, what a horrible, horrible man I am. So in the end, what good did sacrificing for my family do? I'm, I'm, I'm a little upset about that. I am still rooted to the belief that part of the problem is it was the, was the surgery, was the, 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 the disease, the, the cyst that Dawn had, and, and that 
something shifted in her chemically and, and, and she started seeing me in a completely different light and I certainly didn't help with my attitude and my pride and, and the way that I, I, I live didn't help. I'm certainly not shouldering all the blame off of somebody else, but it's not all mine either. You know, it, it takes two. But there were certainly signs of, of, of things going wrong, even when, you know, even before that, we, <laughs> I'm not bashing, I'm, I'm not bashing, I'm simply relating, and this is how it is my perspective. But we went to see Jackson Brown. Um, both of us love the music of Jackson Brown. Jackson Brown toured through Charlotte, and we said, hey, wouldn't it be cool to go see him? And so we bought tickets. I got what I thought were fairly decent seats. And, uh, and I loved taking her out. I loved dating my wife. Um, we got dressed up. We went out to dinner. We went to see the concert, and he was awful. He, it, was, it was, honest to God, one of the worst concerts I've ever been to in my life. He played... You know, he played his songs, and, and he he had a, a, a stage full of guitars, almost like he was showing off uh, his collection rather than, uh, rather than just having, you know, having them handy. By, by way of contrast, uh, I've seen Colin Hay in concert several times uh, with the family, with Brayden, with Dawn, and, 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 and he has like two or three on stage handy to play. But he tells stories and he relates and he engages with his audience and he gives a great show while he's playing his songs. Jackson Brown, it was almost like he didn't care if the audience was there at all. He, uh, he had no connection. He, it, it, it was, and maybe some people went and had a great time just for, the, just for the music, just for him playing the deep cuts from his albums. But to me, it, it, was, uh, it was not a great night. Uh, as we're going on the way out, as we're heading back to the car, uh, Dawn's angry, and she's she's kind of put out. I can I can tell, you know, after a while, you can read a person. She's she's just not happy, and I thought maybe it was the concert. She just was bugged that it wasn't that great, and so I tried to talk to her, and I was trying to engage her, and she was being very short. And and I, I thought, okay, I've done something because her anger is obviously at me. And we got back to the car, and we got you know we got back to to where we were going, and I'm like. Uh, you know, what have I done? What, what What's on your mind? Is something bugging you? Are you tired? You're not feeling good? And she said, well, you spent the entire night um, staring at that woman. And I had no clue as to what she was talking about. She said, there was a woman in a black dress. She was sitting uh, a few aisles ahead of us. And there, a couple of times she stood up during the, you know, during some of the songs while we were standing and, you know, in intermission and everything else. When we were coming in and going out, you couldn't take your eyes off of her. And I, honest to God, I had no clue as to what she was talking about. I didn't remember a woman in the audience. I was, you know, observing the stage. I was watching the show. I was trying to get some enjoyment out of it. And it was just a complete false narrative. It, you know, she read something into my my makeup that night or, or the way I was. I, I don't know. And, you know, I protested, and I'm like, you know, absolutely not. I don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she says, well, of course you're going to say that, but I know what I saw. And there was no, you know, no talking her out of it. I was, I was completely wrong, and, and that, that was that. And that should have been a flag. That should have been a warning. But uh, I, <laughs> I apologized you know, and I ate some crow, and I and I, I it irks me that I apologized for something I didn't do, but I wanted to keep the peace, and I wanted to keep a loving, happy household, and so, you know, okay, um, maybe subconsciously, I don't know. It just to me, it just it was didn't happen. When you have a little tiny bit of fame, uh, you get attention, and sometimes you get attention from arenas you don't want to get attention from. I, by nature of what I do, occasionally there's the person in the audience, uh, and I say person because it's come, it's mostly come from women, but it, it occasionally comes from, from a man as well. Um, just That's just the way things are. Um, they, they feel like I've made a connection with them more personally than I actually did on the stage, and I'm fairly easy to find. You can find me on Facebook. You can find my email. You go searching for me on Google. I'm going to come right up. It's right at the top, and my you know my contact info is right there. And so, on occasion, these people would send me emails, 
They would send me letters. They would send me postcards. They would send me birthday cards because they want to reach out to the artists that they admire. And at first, when I, when I first started getting them, I was flattered. Some of them made some propositions, and some of them included some pictures, you know? And initially, I would... I would uh, why do I feel like I've told you this story before? Hell with it. I'm telling you again. It, it's, it's a short story. Um, I, uh, I, would, I would reply, and I would say, thank you. I'm very happily married. I appreciate the, the, the attention. Uh, I hope glad you enjoyed the show. I hope to see you again sometime. But when you, when you do that, when you respond, I found, to these emails, um, you've opened up you know, correspondence. And now they feel like, oh, he does want to talk to me, and I'll, I'll continue on. They become a bit more rabid. So I stopped replying. I, I just started shuttling off. Anytime I would recognize an email that, that was that kind of a thing, or I'd open it, and it was, oh, okay, it's one of those, I would just delete it. I stopped replying, just deleted and deleted and deleted. And, you know, on the average, I get one or two of those a week. Uh, I get about, I'll get a card in the mail once every three months or so, you know, it, they just, it just happens. I've stopped opening those. Um, but at the time when I got them, I would, I, yeah, oh, okay. And, and part of my brain was don't, you know, don't throw it in the trash. Somebody get the wrong idea. So I, I tucked it off to the side, some of them unopened, some of them open and like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll get rid of them all at once or whatever. I'll just, you know, whatever. Um, so I didn't think anything of it. Just kind of shuttled it off the side. It meant nothing. Uh, it was flattering. Don't get me wrong there. You know, I, I, I certainly write me if you want to write me for goodness sakes. But understand <clears throat> there's a certain kind of a decorum that I'm going to have. Even now, being, quote, single, which God knows I don't feel single, um, I, you know, I, there's a certain line that I'm just not going to cross. Write me if you'd like and, and be friendly and we can be friends and I'll write you back and, and that's that's great. But past a certain point, I'm going to I will ignore it. You get the idea. So anyway, um, I was off somewhere. I was off doing a show somewhere and um, she got uh, she got paranoid. She got lonely. She got I don't know what she got, but she went in and she went into my uh, in, into my emails, which was fairly easy to do because I didn't have a password. I didn't try to block anybody. I didn't have them under a lock. It was just, you know, my computer, my office. Easiest access for me is to not have a password. And I certainly wasn't trying to hide anything. So she opens up my emails and goes through them and reads them. And, and there's nothing really there to be found other than business correspondence. And then she opens the deleted folder. And I didn't empty the deleted folder because I wasn't trying to hide anything. I just deleted record. But she, she found letters, um, all incoming, you know, none outgoing. But she read through them, and she's, you know, some of, the, some of them were very suggestive, and some of them contained photographs, and it, it made her angry. And she confronted me with that and, and demanded that I make it stop. And the thing about it was I can't make it stop. People are going to do what they're going to do, and the best I can do from this position is to ignore it. I have to be accessible if I'm going to make business happen. I have to be, people have to be able to find me. And part of fame, part of the, part of the being a public thing and being a public eye or, or being a comedian or speaker is that there are going to be those people who respond that way. And on the flip side of that coin, there are people that get angry. It's not nearly as, as many as the other ones, but I will get the occasional hate mail too. It's all the same. It's all just, okay, you're, you're angry. You didn't, uh, I am dealing with, with black magic and, and consorting with the devil. I get a couple of those every once in a while too. And it's, it's the same thing. I just shuffle it off. I just delete it. It doesn't mean anything. There's no actual threats have come my way, you know, lately. So anyway, all of that to say these are the things I related to my therapist and these are the things that apparently friends have been seeing and I feel gaslighted I feel I was in a way manipulated into into towing a certain line and uh, I'm angry at myself and I'm angry at her and I'm angry at the situation I didn't want to be divorced I didn't want to be out of my marriage I I I fought for it the best way I knew how, and I made mistakes, and I, you know, I, 
I, I had a lot of pride up in front of me, and that certainly contributed to it. But so this 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 email that I got, this eye-opening email that I got, just just things about a loving, nurturing wife, supportive wife would have not allowed you to stop doing the comedy clubs where you're flourishing, um, and and guilting myself out of, of doing work, out of performing, which which is I was made to do. And yes, I'm paying alimony, and, and no, she, she doesn't. I'm going by what the court told me, that she doesn't work. Um, and yet still managed to sabotage my career. And it gives me pause, and it makes me think. And what I'm taking away from that is, yes, it's time to get angry, but, but I don't want to be destructive in my anger. I'm responsible in a way, the things that I say through this medium, through my stage work, which is the most important thing, through my writings and everything else that I put out into the universe, out of my heart and out to there, I have a responsibility for what I say. There are, in our world right now, there are huge amounts of people that are doing nothing but spewing hate and spewing anger. Anger because, you know, their guy won which which baffles me. I'm angry, and my guy won. And 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 our my point of view, my race, the color of my skin is superior to yours. And so I'm going to pick up a gun and and threaten people with it, or or use language that that calls for the destruction of other people. And and the natural reaction to that, of course, is to, you know, to put shields up and to, and to want to act preemptively. And if this is your philosophy, you know, I'm, I'm going to fire back. And, and, and that, that leaves us in a, in a real huge turmoil. And I, from my perspective, it get me, don't, don't get me wrong, get, get me right in my words. I despise Nazis. I despise the, the uh, ideology of hatred, I despise the fact that some of my closest, dearest, most beloved friends are in fear for their life because of the color of their skin. That's a fact. That's not just somebody making something up. That's not. I have friends that are genuinely scared in their own lives because of the color of their skin, genuinely terrified, frightened to go outside because the propaganda and the rhetoric coming from that direction is absolutely horrifying, and it, it disgusts me. And I sit here in my old white man privilege that I do, in that I that I have, that I own simply because of the the, the, the luck of the draw of my birth. And 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 I have to raise my voice from my position. At this point in time, I'm not raising my fists. I'm not. I'm not raising a weapon. I'm standing in the gap the best I can. I'm being a shield and wondering if I ought to be a sword. But my philosophy, my makeup, my ideology, if you want to call it that, is the fact that that love can overcome all of this. So I'm I'm going from that perspective. Anyway, uh, the, the, the point behind that was I don't want to raise my voice in any more anger, I don't. I don't want to be destructive in my anger. I want to be, I want to be productive. I want to be creative. I want to take these things that are burning and hurting me, and and turn them into art that helps people, uh, helps people on on the side of the people that are that are frightened to, to to say that I'm here and that there are others like me and 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 we can change the world with the love that we have and also the kind of love that says you can you, you i see you with your 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 mindset and then how you see things and how you are operating from a you know you right winger extreme right winger nazi what whatever however the label comes operating out of a, a sense of your own fear and trying to tell you that there's a better way to live than, than with fear that, that stokes anger, that stokes hatred towards somebody that's different from you. I, uh, I want to bring people together rather than driving people apart. I've said too many goodbyes. And uh, 
I don't want it escalating anymore. You know, here I am, you know, one lone voice out in the crowd and, you know, deluding myself. There's actually somebody still listening. And if you are still listening, I I appreciate that. I'm glad you're here (laughs) listening to this. I, uh, I don't want to be afraid. And I don't want to cause fear, and I don't want to raise anger on people. I want to keep preaching the love that I have for for everyone else. Um, to that end, and this, this is actually coming around to a narrative now, um, I wasn't going to go off on a rant. I wasn't going to go off on on this tangent. But but meeting with the therapist and getting that email and 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 awakening something inside of me that. Uh, this, this nice young lady that I met today who's quite possibly going to be uh, my permanent therapist. Uh, I've got a conundrum on that. Um, I need it. Uh, it's vital for my own mental health. Um, if I'm going to recover, if I'm going to get through my grief and, and, and everything else that's going on, it, therapy is absolutely necessary for me because I'm in this by myself. I've got friends, I've got a couple of close friends, and I've got people that I can relate these stories to, and I certainly have this outlet that I can go to whether or not anybody's listening. I can continue to put things out there just to unload it out of my own heart, out of my own head, and get the voices outside for a little while. But I need professional help, and so I've been seeking it. And um, she's very empathetic. I've, I've interviewed... Uh, several now to try and find the right match, and, and this one seems like the right match. She's empathetic. She understands the problem. She's, in fact, actually dealt with something similar um, in the past as to what I'm going through. So she's very good. She's also she's also expensive. Um, it's uh, it's uh, $180, $180 a session, and she meets weekly. And that relates to, you know, on a, on, a, on a regular month, that's $720 a month. And I, I have to come up with it for my own, you know, it's, it's like having a prescription. It's like having, having to be under doctor's care. It's, it's literally the same thing. It's a disease that I have that I have to get over, that I have to process through. And it's not an overnight fix for what I have. It's just that's the way it's going to be. So <laughs> you may hear, be hearing about a lot more busking. Um, to be able to take care of this. I, I love the marriage that I had. I, I will cherish it. It was a bigger part of my life. I'm going to cherish it for the rest of my life. The good, the good things we had. I love my kids. I will always love my kids. Whether or not they deem me worthy of talking to, I genuinely care about them. And I'm, I'm, I'm invested in their lives. And, and I want them as part of mine. As grown-ups, if they have decided that they're not going to be a part of my life, I'll deal with that. It won't end my life. I will, I will miss them, and I will, I will be sad that they're not a part of it, but it's not going to end my journey that my grown-up children won't forgive whatever horrors they think I've visited on them. I would only ask that they remember how close we were and how good we were to each other. Not, you know, I'm, I've certainly made mistakes and I've certainly not done everything perfectly, but I was a good dad. I was a really good dad. And I followed my dreams and I made it pay and I sacrificed some of those in order to be home, you know, for good, bad, or indifferent. But I was glad to be there. I worked my ass off to get where I'm at. Anyway. So I've got to find a way to pay for therapy because I definitely need that. Um, anyway, back on point. Um, the art that I do and the things that I create are going to be, you know, and always have been, to aid and comfort and, and bring hope and joy to the people that I get in front of. Um, one of my dearest friends, one of, the, one of the people that I am closest to on the planet, uh, Lily Von Stupp, uh, the burlesque queen of Hollywood, and that's that's a bigger title than you realize. Uh, and she's got a bigger heart than you can realize. Uh, she's been just the most nonfiction loving friend uh, ever, uh, especially in the past three years. She's she's never ever 
there's never been a time when it's like, you know, I don't have time for this. I can't deal with, with whatever, you know, she's, she's just straight up in my face. I'm your friend and we're going to fucking find a way through this. Anyway, Lily has been running a, uh, a burlesque show now in Hollywood weekly uh, for the past 14 years, Monday Night Tees, and it's, uh, it's a phenomenon. Uh, it's been, you know, successful, unsuccessful, up, down, feast, famine, but for the most part, very successful for the past 14 years on a weekly basis on a frickin' Monday night doing a variety burlesque show. That's amazing to me. Um, and it's coming to an end uh, due to certain circumstances, due to her health, due to her own personal reasons. Uh, she has decided that it is time for that show to come to an end, and it's going to end very soon. I'm not, um, it is not my privilege to tell, you know, to reveal when the last night's going to be. It's, uh, it's in the process, and she's, she's, uh, she's dealing with it. She's dealing with the uh, the sadness that, that has to be for closing such a, a great thing after so many years. But having said that, um, I am going to Hollywood. I'm going to be at Monday Night Tees at the Three Clubs on September the 4th. Uh, and I will be performing probably the most intense version of The Naked Truth that I ever have. Um most of the time, the focus that I have for The Naked Truth is on personal pains and personal, uh, you know, words that people have told you that make you feel less than who you really are. Um, someone has called you fat. Someone has, has uh, said you're not smart enough or someone, what, for whatever reason, I would, you know, find those words and write them on, on me. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that a lot of you... Most of you know what the naked truth is. Um, in short, for those of you that don't know, I my my biggest problems are my body issues, the way I feel like I look because of being told for a number of years how disgusting I look without a shirt on, um, and being in amongst a crowd. Uh, I can stand up in front of a group of people, you know, any size, uh, for any length of time, and be entertaining and be comfortable. Um, but I cannot stand in the middle of a crowd, like in a party uh, or, or a social gathering, and 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 be and be functional. I, I can't do it. I, I simply can't. I, I freeze up. I get claustrophobic. So I take those two things. I take those two issues of mine, and I ask the audience to find issues of their own, and and break it down to one word or a small phrase, and I strip down to my shorts. And I invite them to come up on stage and surround me as closely as they want and write their words on me and that I will take them away. I will uh, bear their burden for a couple of days. And I make it really clear I'm not taking your burden away. Uh, I don't have the stamina or the divinity to be able to do that. I'm simply taking in a very like metaphorical way you giving me your word for a couple of days and, and living without that burden. Let me carry it. That's what the naked truth is about. This time, however, um, because of the nature of what the world is today, it's going to be more about fear. Take whatever, break your, your fear down to one word and come and write that and put your fear aside. Let me, let me hold on to your fear. Let me hold on to your burden. Um, her show is ending and we want, she wants, I want for the closing of this show, the one on September the 4th, to be cathartic in that it was all done for love. The show was done for the love of the art, for the love of the people, for the, the sheer joy of getting up on stage and, and pouring your heart out in front of people. So I'm going to open myself up to that for the close of this show um, in a very uh, unique and special way um, than, I'm, than I normally do it. Uh, naked truth, <laughs> uh, fear, yeah, I guess we'll call it. And, um, and I hope it does some good. I hope it allows someone to breathe. That's the whole reason I'm doing it is, is to allow someone, hopefully more than someone, but even at least one person to be able to breathe through the fear and through the, the, the oppression that's going on 
in the world right now, created by anger, um, uh, fertilized by by media, hyped by people. I mean, it, it you know, break the cycle somewhere. You know, turn around and, and love instead is, is really all I'm striving for. So Hannibal at Monday Night Tees, September the 4th, 2017, uh, buy a ticket. If you're, if you're anywhere near the ability to, to get to this show, this is a cultural, historical icon that is closing. And on September the 4th, I'm going to be closing that night with one of the most precious things that I've ever created or come up with or, or put out in front of an audience. And uh, I'd really love to have you there. There will be a... <laughs> I'm quite sure there'll be a very intense... Uh, podcasts, uh, blog posts, videos, maybe following um, following what happens. That's all I got for now. That's that's pretty much the things that I that I wanted to say. Um, I'm I'm in the midst of writing a column for Genie. I'm in the midst of publishing a uh, <clears throat> a blog uh, for the blog page. So, thanks for listening. Uh, I'm really glad you were here. Uh, I hope there's something you can take away from that and uh, and find some happiness with. Um, get in touch. Send me a message. Uh, send me a private message if you'd like. Um, the Sahara thing. I don't Sahara.com. Uh, search under Magic Artist. That's that's who I am. If you want to send me a completely anonymous note, go through that. Uh, note me through Facebook. Send me an email at info at chrishannibal.com. Leave me a message wherever you're listening to this. Help me support my art. Go to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash magicartist. Help me continue to do what I do. It's, it's not cheap, and I got therapy to pay for, and I got lawyers to pay for, and, and I want to continue doing this the way that I'm doing it, and I can't do it without your help. So five bucks a month if you can make that happen. Um, I'm not going to beg. I'm going to put it out there and say, here I am. This is, this is my request. Um, thanks for listening. If you're getting, you know, things out of it, help me out on my end. Um, I wish for you nothing but the best. Keep breathing. Keep talking to your neighbors. Um, uh, keep, keep your family close and, and love and nurture them for all it's worth. Because even though mine went away, and, and I sometimes have these bursts of, you know, what difference did it make that I was loving and nurturing? The very act of doing it, the very act of being there, made it all worthwhile. I gave love and I got love. And it is sustaining me still through some of the darkest times of my life. And I'm grateful for having it. I love my children. I loved my marriage. I had to let it go. I've got to live now and love myself so that I can continue to do that. That's the investment I'm making on my own is to purposefully, virulently love myself and try to bring that love to you. There will be the usual podcast that, that publishes on Tuesday. Um, this has been an exercise in just trying to vent a little bit and and, and get some of the things from this week, which were wonderfully sweet and, and sometimes bitter, but it all is part of the road, right? And I'm going to keep walking mine. Wherever you are, whoever you are, thanks. And I sincerely hope that there's love where you are. Oh. You ready? Yeah, it's good. I'm out. One, two. One, two, three, four. Sitting on the corner, staring down the street and wall Making funny faces at the people we don't meet a world Holding out of pockets for all the world to see a world Singing our old songs, busking you and me a world A world 
they always seem to wanna get away from you. Just throw a little money and say, Hey ma'am, now do just what you do. You sing a little anthem and answer, Hey man, I am. Just a little more dough and I'll show you where I stand. That's the plan, ain't life grand. Breaking in the quarters, nickels, and the dimes of war. Just breathing and dreaming and passing by the time of war. Whoa. Thinking of the past and what we live for, then whoa. Where we're living now, our worries in the wind of whoa. 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 Funny how she always seems to wanna get away from you. She calls you honey in the jar, but when she's out, you're blue. Lord, it's true. You put your axe up in the case and then you ease her making haste for the door. Then you bust it to the corner, get your busking all in order for the show. On the road, here we go. I play a whoa, whoa. Days turn into weeks and weeks are into years of woe. We live for the fans of making music in the ears of woe, whoa, whoa. Okay, now I think I'm good.